0: From the Montclair State University Film Forum. This is Film Forum Extras. Learn about independent filmmaking from pre production to distribution through the expertise of esteemed film professionals. Join us every week for behind the scenes discussions with directors, producers, writers, and more.
1: Okay, welcome Nathan Silver to the podcast. How's
2: your day today? It's going fine. Another day in Montclair. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's uh, let me ask you about the film that we'll be showing tonight at the Film Forum on Certain Terms. Uh, what was your experience like making that? And
2: well, it was an odd experience because it came about um, after another film fell apart when we basically lost the funding for it and the rights to that script. Um, so we had access to this. We got a we had gotten a grant from Canon, so we had access to all this camera equipment and we had a location we could shoot at, my parents' new house in Rhinebeck. They just moved there from uh, Massachusetts. And so we, the two other writers and I, we sat down and knocked out an outline within a week, and then we were able to cast it within a month, and then we were up and shooting. Mm-hmm. So it stars, like, you know, my best friend, my childhood friend, David, and my mom, and then we cast India. We were able and, to...
1: And sort of, like, what is it about?
2: It's about a home for unwed for basically, pregnant teenagers, mm-hmm.
1: and was that inspired by something in your real life, or
2: yeah, my mom had my brother when she was sixteen and was sent off to a home for unwanted mothers in Staten Island, and so this is in the film she runs this house for these girls, but it's like the exact opposite experience of what she went through. She was in a prison-like situation, and the house that she runs is kind of like a haven for them.
1: Mm. Right. So, and you cast your mother in a lot of your films. I do, yeah. And w- why is that, you know, I have a horrible relationship with my mother, so.
2: <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, we have, a, we have a very fraught relationship. Yeah. Um, the way I so I feel like so much of my, the way I think of stories, the way I tell stories comes from my mother. Her scr- She tells these stories in very meandering and she has a real knack for, make- for bringing together many things over the course of five minutes, she can, you know, talk about the end of the world, her father, me, like, and it it somehow makes sense. And that has always interested me about her, just the way she talks. And I used to write, in my, like, when I was doing short films, I'd always write these characters based on her. And she's also, like, a classic Jewish neurotic mother. She's, like, the classic Jewish mother, you know? Um, But I used to, like, write, write these roles based on her, and I'd cast other people. And then when I made my film Exit Elena... I decided I'd finally cast her to play herself. And um, she couldn't memorize lines or do any blocking, so basically that led to improvisation. Mm. And that's why I guess I started doing all the improv.
1: Right, in your films? Yeah. So uh, talk about, a little bit about that, how, because I didn't know that how uh, most of your films are improvised, sort yeah, of. Or they, like they outlined.
2: They were for uh, a long stretch. My first film. The blind was fully scripted, and then that was a really trying experience. After that, I um, decided to go back to what I had. Like, so I went to school for playwriting and screenwriting. I wanted to do experimental theater, and um, at that time, I wanted to do. I, I played around a lot with improvisation, and so when I went to filmmaking, I, for whatever reason, I thought that it needed to be, things needed to be fully scripted because I would help get the money and all this and that, and it does, of course, but. I wanted to go back to, you know, what I'd been exploring in college. And so for my second feature, I decided to do something that was very small with, you know, next to no money with my, it was with my girlfriend at the time, uh, my mother, my dad's friend, our neighbor, my best friend behind the camera, who's actually the lead of Uncertain Terms, um, David. So it was, you know, we were able to experiment and it was shot in my parents' home in their old home in Boston. And so... um, yeah, we would start off, we had to, about an outline of about, I don't know, 20 pages for Exit Elena. And then that was the, my second movie. And then for uh, Uncertain Terms, of probably like 15, 20 pages, all the dialogues, you know, improvised. We would The DP and the producer, they were the co-writers on Uncertain Terms. And we'd sit down each morning and kind of sketch out some lines that we would want, like some beats we would want them to hit. But it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, you know, there was no script.
1: And why do you feel that that's a better way for, to work for you?
2: There's a, no, I'm back to scripts now. I think it was oh. I was frustrated with what happened on my first feature and then I wanted, I was interested in just capturing, basically, making a documentary of a fictional world was what interested me and so in order to do that, I would not give the actors lines. I would give them prompt. Like, I would give them beats, I would give them actions. It would be broken down into the, you know, bare essentials of what is seen. The bare essentials of what each scene had to convey.
0: Can I, can I vote in for a second? Hey, Chris here. Um, so it's, it sounds like you, you did this all with a large group of friends, not so much like a bunch of, uh, professionals from the industry. It kind of sounds like, uh, like you said, you're one of your better friends is behind the camera. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, can you talk about that for a second?
2: Yeah. I mean, um, that's, so that was on my, on my first film, it was all professionals. we shot in 35 millimeter. We had a larger, much larger budget. Um, So for my second film, it was very nice to have no pressure, no financial pressure, so to speak. And then after that, you know, the films grew a bit in size, and because of festivals, they got some attention. They got, you know, released in cities around the U.S. and then eventually around the world. Um, And so, I mean, I was able to, like with Thirst Street, which was um, a movie I made two years ago, I was able to have you know, fully fully professional crew, at, even if we only had twenty a twenty page treatment, um, and we were able to raise the budget using that treatment. But it was based on my prior work, you know. That's why, so I met people. I met people who were willing to work with me after Exilena at festivals and um, just you know film gatherings.
0: Well, that's always kind of a a white area, for a lot of film students is is getting the funding. You know, just from what you have on paper, you know, nothing is, is on screen for an investor to see yet. Um, how do you usually go about getting the funding for a a film of this caliber?
2: Um, I mean, it's from film to film and you just have to, like these films had this, this, you feel like Don Quixote, like you just have this, you, you're delusional in your need to make this thing. And so you, nothing quite, you just, you're unwavering. And, uh, I think people, when they sense that you're going to get this thing made, they want to help out. And then when they like your work, when you eventually you have enough work to show, they want to support you. Some people have, you know, supported multiple movies of mine because they 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 like my work and want to see more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's a strange industry. It's you know a strange art form that requires a lot of money, and it's also there's no guarantee of a return. So it's a big gamble. And some people like that gamble. And some people like also just being a part of, like, the whole festival scene. They like the red carpet stuff, you know, the um, being around semi-famous people, famous people, you know, that's their, that's what they pay for, I guess.
1: And can you talk a little bit about getting your films into festivals?
2: Yeah. Um, So I had a short film, uh, my first three short films, they uh, didn't get into any festivals and then I made, uh, then I made a film that was like forty minutes long with my, with David behind the camera, and it was just a one-person crew, doing sound. Um, and that got into this festival called Slam Dance that runs alongside Sundance, yeah. and when that got in, um, I decided to go to Park City with a feature-length script, and so, that was kind of like, the first, like I realized that these, that. The, the films, if you tried, like, if you just pushed them out of the world enough, eventually they'd land somewhere. Um, then with, like, Exit Elena, it's, it was shot on mini-DV and has a very rough quality to it. And this guy had just started working at the Edinburgh Film Festival. He was the new artistic director there, this guy, Chris Fujiwara. And I owe so much to him because he took a chance on that movie. And then it got a lot of festival play because of him and then got a lot of critics talking because he was a film critic or he's a film critic. Um, so he basically sent it out to the right people. And in all of the uh, press releases, he would, he would talk about my movie. And so people went to see it. And uh, then after that, I got to just meet a lot of festival heads. You know, the more you travel, the more people you meet. And eventually, you can just send it to them directly. I remember I hassled, like, for instance, Rotterdam multiple times. They rejected my movie, rejected my movie, rejected my movie. And then one year, they finally, like, I think I just wore them down enough that they took stinking heaven and it was just it was kind of funny but uh, it's you know you meet people when I got into Edinburgh and I was seeing I saw a programmer there she asked me how they had discovered my movie and I said through the site without a box and she laughed and she said oh I didn't think that worked so I mean it's usually through word of mouth it's usually through like a connection that you get it to the right person at a festival because there's so many submissions for instance like we're playing I have a new movie that's going to be at um, AFI, which is a festival in L.A., and I've played that festival multiple times. I love it, but I just saw a letter that they had o- over 4,300 submissions, which, I mean, you can just imagine the numbers there. It's crazy. And Sundance has, like, 8,300 every year. I mean, these places have so many... I mean, it's it's a real mindfuck. You know, imagine watching... And obviously, the head programmers don't get to see everything. It's all kind of... They have... There are many programmers, you know, pre they're pre-screeners, and then to kind of get rid of whatever is garbage.
1: Right. And so that sort of brings me to my uh, final question, which I'll do now. It's uh, like you teach here at Montclair State. What is some advice that you would give to film students of a young age today?
2: I would say make as much stuff as you can. And while you're in school and you have access to equipment and people, make it now. And I would say, like, just the more you can – the more you work – The more you realize like your failures and like you understand what you're capable of making and I think that I didn't I thought that I was like I almost thought before I made a film like I was born a filmmaker and then I realized by making films that I'm not wasn't I had to learn how to make films and I feel like I've made I'm on my 10th feature now and I feel like I'm only starting to have some idea of how to make these things
1: Right, and so you say you felt like you were a filmmaker naturally so when did when, you, when did that feeling kind of start? When you were a child?
2: No, I, when I, I, when I, swi- I wanted to be a poet, then I wanted to be a playwright, and then I wanted to be, then filmmaking didn't really come into play until I was in my early 20s.
1: But all those are story-based, yes. creative aspects. So when did that sort of,
2: that? That's always been there. There, yeah. there was an obsession when I was okay. a little kid. I drew all the time and like um, did visual arts throughout you know elementary, middle school, high school. But uh, I, when I, what I mean to say is that, like, there's a confidence that you have before you actually fail that you're like, I, I can do this. Like, you see, like you see these horrible films, and you're like, I'm never going to do anything like that. And then you realize, oh, okay, like, you kind of have to come to terms with the fact that you don't know how to do this thing. And you have to learn how to do... And you don't even know what you're capable of making until you just start making stuff. Like, I didn't know that I would do these improvised features. I didn't know what they would be like. I didn't know what they'd look like. It's like trying to... It's like when you're... Pregnant with a child, and you 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 say that this child is going to look like this exact thing, and you just you, you draw out exactly how the child is going to look. It's, it's that ridiculous, you know. Um, I don't know. Right. I, I just think that it, it takes a lot of. I think you just have to have to. You just have to understand that failure is not the end. Right. And I failed so many times now that it, at this point is part of the course. It's just part of it.
1: And what's your writing process like?
2: I always write with other people. Um, I find writing the initial ideas that come when you when you begin to think of a project it's a, that's an extremely fun time, and then it becomes very miserable to structure the, that idea or to actually turn it into something that can be that will take place over the course of eighty to however many minutes the film is. And so, with other people, at least I'm not bashing my head against the wall alone. I'm bashing it against other brains. I'm using, you know, so something, some, so hopefully some sparks fly and then, I don't know, something happens. I feel like, you know, writing is, uh, is and really you, frustrating. Do you always outline? Yes. First? I mean, we, for this movie, The Great Pretender, the last movie I made, that was the script was written by Jack donfee, and we I just sent him like a a bunch of notes, and then he started writing just scripting it, so he didn't outline, but that was supposed to be a web series, so it was broken up into five sections, and so he would just write each section like it, he would do the first section, send that to me, and then we'd discuss it, and then the second, so it was written in a fairly unconventional way, I guess in that regard okay, so you
1: talked a little bit about. Being interested in experimental theater, what does mm-hmm. that sort of mean?
2: Uh, there was a guy I, I saw. I saw his plays during when I would visit my brother because my brother lived in New York. I'd go and stay with him, and I and one time when I stayed stayed at his apartment, I went to see this play by Richard Foreman. He ran this thing called the Ontological Historic Theater, which started, in, I think, the sixties or seventies, and his stuff was just very. Uh, it had, it had its own narrative flow. It was very much in your face with loud like buzzers going off, and the text was kind of meaningless. But it was it had this extraordinary feeling to it, and I fell in love with it very much. And when I went to when I was in NYU, I was able to um, intern for him, and I saw his whole process. And he would talk about how miserably it was, and how like this was back in 2003 or so. He would say that like theater's dead. No one cares about him or his theater anymore he, movies are the way to go and so he would recommend all these movies to watch and Kim's this video store was around the corner from where the internship was St. Mark's Church and uh, St. Mark's Church and uh... so I'd go to Kim's and rent all these uh... movies you know by Pasolini and Fassbinder and Maratova and like it would just turn into this like and then I ended up quitting the internship and that's when switched me over to movies. And the funniest part is is that at Kim's, the manager of Kim's is now my DP. This guy, Sean Price Williams, who's the manager. So it's like a small world of people who, I don't know. Right. It's funny.
1: Um, what, are your, what are some of the movies that inspire you or filmmakers that inspire you?
2: Well, initially it was, uh, I mean, Boonewell's always been there. From the time I was very little, I, my dad showed me, actually on DeLu, and I could never get the image of the eye being cut out of my brain. Um, for better or worse, mm-hmm. and then I, when I was in high school, I saw I lived I lived in France for a year, and I saw there was a Buñuel retrospective in the town I was living, so I saw all of his movies. And I saw *Exterminating Angel*, and it just like I thought it was the best thing I'd ever seen, and so I guess Buñuel ranks pretty far, pretty high up there. And then you know, Fassbender was a huge influence on me, and he has that theater connection, and I just watched, devoured all of his movies or nearly all of them. Sorry, it was hard to come by some of them. Um, I was really into Pasolini for a while. I don't know now. I mean, like, there's so many... Like, then I just started devouring... Like, basically devouring anything. <laughs> but PLA had a big impact on me because when I saw a Moore, and um, the cri- Criterion put out the DVD of that, I... Uh, there was something about the energy there that really... Like, I you could sense this, um, just the way he staged some of the there there are scenes in this movie where this family is like beating each other up but it's like from a wide shot you know, unlike Cassavetes it's not like you're not in close during those violent scenes and I just started thinking, of like I think that that's why, I I how I it got me thinking about like how to stage emotional violence and that seeped into Exit Elaine, I would say and I don't know. So there, you pick up different influences at different times. I, I loved also. I love Maranatha. Um, I saw Forest for the Trees that knocked me out beyond belief. And then she ended up making Tony Erdman, which kind of pushed her. And everyone else, like everyone else, gets a lot of recognition, but she's great.
1: And I was reading on your um, you have a top ten list on Criterion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this is Spinal Tap is one of them. Oh yeah, because that sort of yeah. correlates to your. Imp- Uh, improvisational.
2: I've seen that movie a million times. My brother introduced me to it. Yeah, it's a great (laughs)
1: movie. Thank you for being here, Nathan Silver. We will see you tonight. For us here at the Film Forum Podcast, signing off. If you are interested in today's discussion, drop
0: by the Montclair State University Film Forum Tuesday nights at 7 in the School of Communication
1: and Media.